You're listening to Amplify Ambition. I'm Kristen Edwards, speaker, coach, and your guide for ambitious women to become industry leaders and grow a sustainable business without the hustle. Listen to conversations on authentic leadership, self-awareness, and strategic planning for growing your business. I believe big dreams can be your reality when you embrace all of who you're meant to be and focus on the business that works for you and your lifestyle. Now let's dive into today's episode. I'm excited for today's guest because anyone that uses the Enneagram to help other people be better and smarter and wiser and also simplify is my kind of person. So I'd like to welcome Mary Atkins to the show, who's a writing coach and the founder of a 12-month program called The Book Incubator. And she helps you to write, revise, and pitch your novel or your memoir. And so obviously most coaches that are writing coaches are also writers themselves. You can also check out a few of her books, but her latest one being Palm Beach, which was a New York Post best books of 2021. Her writing, her books have been published in 13 countries and you can find her essays in New York Times, The Atlantic, Slate, and so much more. And Best of all, she hung out for some time in my hometown when she attended Yale Law School as well. So welcome to the show, Mary. Yay, thanks. So glad to be here to talk about New Haven and Enneagram. (laughs) (laughs) Two great things. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. So before we dive into kind of what you do and what got you started, I started my business really branding myself as a multi-passionate. So what is that thing that you absolutely love, but we don't necessarily see if we like find you on social media or start reading your books? Yeah, it's such a, I loved this question um, when I was thinking about it earlier. So this is, so my answer is going to be something that I sort of stumbled into after I started my business, which I did not expect. And um, so I, I, my background is really in creative writing. I was a lawyer for like seven months. I did not last long as a lawyer. (laughs) I literally didn't even make it to a year. So creative writing has been my focus really for most of my adult life. And I didn't, I never was, I never pictured myself starting a business. I like was just, I don't know. It just was off my radar. I was focused on creative stuff. Um, And then I, when, after it took me six years to write my first novel, because I kept writing it over and over again. And when it finally came out, Um, and I sold my second novel and I started writing that one. Um, I sold it before I started writing it because after your first one, you can sell your next one on a proposal. So I sold it and then I started writing it. I realized I had really figured out a process for writing a novel that I had never learned from anyone in any of the writing classes I had taken. And I thought, okay, well, that could be a really helpful thing to teach people, like this thing that I've figured out. So what if I start a writing course? So I just started Googling like how, how to start an online course. <laughs> like I had no idea. Um, but this is, a, this is a long way to answer your question, which is I stumbled into being a business owner. And what I found was there were some models of running a business that didn't quite fit with my values. Um, like when I needed to hire my first employee, Um, I talked, I I asked around, like, what should I pay this person? And what kind of, what's the going rate for a virtual assistant? And what I was hearing and not so many words is basically like, here's the least amount you can pay someone to do this work. And 
I just, it just didn't sit well with me. I thought like, I don't, I don't want to get, (laughs) I don't want to find someone and pay them the least amount they will accept in order to do a job for me. What's another way of thinking about this? And then I decided, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to think of it at in my head, I started calling it maximum wage. (laughs) What is like the most I would pay someone to do this job? And that's what I want to pay that person because, um, I don't, I don't want to run a business that I don't feel completely behind ethically, like complete. I don't want to have any reservations about what I'm doing. Like, and I, I want, I want my, anyone I work with to be enriched by the experience in the same way I am. And I like very much believe that that creates the best possible work environment and the best possible work. So anyway, this is a long way of saying, I have become passionate about designing a business that I really believe in, in terms of its principles and its guiding values. And, and that everyone who I work with is paid really well. Like that matters a lot to me. And like, if I can't afford to pay someone really well, then I just either do it myself or we'll find another solution, you know? And so that, and that feels really good. But I think that was that, like, it took me a little while to figure that out like that. Um, because it didn't, I feel like it wasn't in the models that I was encountering for how to run a business. So yeah, I'm just kind of, I've become passionate about this, like designing a business with an abundance mindset of as the business does well, everyone in the business does well, like all the ships rise with the water and like, what does that look like? And I feel like I'm constantly finding, like looking for creative solutions to make that happen so that, um, you know, we can, it can be this like thriving enterprise where everybody feels like really, and I I have a very small team. So when I say everybody, I don't mean 16 people. I mean like four people, but like all four of us feel really excited and happy to be here. And like, we're compensated well for our work and that like there's transparency around the finances and it's cool. It feels kind of like a subversive, a subversive way to, I don't know, to run a business, at least compared to the like assumptions I made, I, I was making about how a lot of corporate America works. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, whether it's corporate America or small businesses, I think a lot of people are always trying to say, what is the minimum wage that I can get away with? Yeah. And so I love that you are putting your values as a human into how you support others. Like my professional background is in HR and that's what boosts morale is when people are like, Hey, I'm being validated and compensated, not just fairly, but at the best of, you know, what I have as well. So, I mean, it's, it's a crazy lesson that we start to learn as we jump into this entrepreneurial space for sure, but also getting to see like your core human values translate over into your business. I think that's the most important and honestly the best way to be running anything that we do. So I, I love that that's something that you're passionate about and you're putting it into practice um, as well of like, Hey, I value my team and they're going to know it and, you know, rewarding, right. Bonuses are always great and gifts are always great, but like, I rather you write me a check in comparison to like buying me a pen. So um, this means an Enneagram 8 as well. um, But yeah, I I think that's a really great thing. And thank you for sharing that as well. So a little note for everyone else as they're listening of like, what can I do to kind of reward those that are 
around me. And sometimes it's, you know, not skimping for the $12 an hour person you found randomly um, as yeah. well. Awesome. All right. So let's dive into what you do because you're talking about your team cool. and the journey of growing yeah. a business, but like, what does it mean to you to be a writing coach and really what got you onto this coaching path as well? Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned a second ago, I took, it took me six years to write my first novel. So I quit my job as a lawyer. I got it. I broke my lease, moved to a cheaper apartment, started tutoring to pay my bills. And I was like, I'm going to be a novelist, <laughs> I'm gonna write, but I didn't know how to do that. So I started taking writing classes and I had taken, um, I had taken creative writing classes, mostly like in high school. I, I tried one in college and it, ter- it, it terrified me and kind of traumatized me because it was, it was just, um, uh, it was very judge, like judgmental in a way that I, I ended up putting way too much pressure on myself and not enjoying at all. And then it, I shied away from writing fiction for, for a long time. I went to law school. <laughs> so for years. And then um, I, but I had this wake up call. Like, I know I really think my calling is to be a writer. I want to be a writer. So left my job and was trying to make it happen. And I was taking all these writing classes and a lot of them left me feeling the way that that writing class in college had, which was more saddled with all these things I was supposed to be thinking about. Like, like rules, like show, don't tell, and like, don't use adverbs and um, just all these kind of rules that I was just like making this list up, this mental list up in my mind. And I would sit down to write and I would feel kind of crippled by them. Plus most of these writing classes were based on the feedback model. Like that was the way they were designed so that peers, my, my, my fellow writers in the class, we would give each other feedback, right, on our writing. So, um, so like, and I don't know if you've ever taken a writing class like this, but like a very common style of it is like you write a few pages of a first draft of something, a story or an essay or whatever, and then you submit it to the workshop and then your peers, 15 people in the class or whatever, tear it apart. <laughs> that and sounds scary. It was and it's looking back, it's no wonder that like I would walk away from these classes like broken and bruised and like picking myself up off the ground and being like, I don't think I'm getting that much better at writing, but I do feel worse about myself, <laughs> you know, it would, but, but I think it was also like creatively not great because now what I understand is I think like it was just the, like the seedling of an idea that I was having that was just starting to come to life. Like it wasn't ready for feedback yet. I, I hadn't even figured out what it was. And like, until I figured out what it was, no one else was going to know what it was. And so how could they give feedback? Like the, the problem was in the model. Like no one was doing anything wrong. Everybody was very well-meaning. Um, I was always well-meaning when I gave my peers feedback, but like the model of instruction was not good. And I didn't realize that until you, until, until after my first book had come out, when I looked back on this and realized like, oh, this is not the way that creative writing should be taught. I believe, I think there's a better way. I want to do it a different way. And that's when I got really excited about like starting a program where the method of instruction was completely different. It was literally flipped on its head. So it's not feedback based. It's all about like figuring out what this seedling of an idea is, nurturing it, letting it become a thing, not subjecting it to feedback, like honoring your vision. And then, and then only when you know what it is, 
hearing what others think of it in a really um, careful and like facilitated way so that they're not, they're not ripping it to shreds for no reason. So it's like, you're, you're, it's more collaborative. Like, here's what I'm trying to do. Let's all figure out how I can do it even better. Um, so it's more empowering. It's more joyful. It's like, um, it's the way that I, that I now write and, and like to teach writing. And it, it makes me feel good to be in a community where like, that's the vibe. It's empowering. People are like figuring out what their story is that they want to tell. And like Larry isn't trying to write a story that Jill wants him to tell because she gave him feedback on it when he was on page three. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's the core of anything that you're doing, whether it's a business, um, whether it's a creative type of business or more product focused, or even as a coach, you have to know where you're going, what's coming from within, what's your vision, what's your mission, what's the purpose behind it. And then once that has a pretty solid foundation, then you can go out and do your market research. Then you can go out and get another coach to be like, well, let's think about this. Let's, you know, refine things. But if you don't have that foundation established yourself, then how on earth are you supposed to have feedback on what the roof should look like and the, you know, design of a house should be if you're like, I haven't even jumped into the underground and built a basement and poured cement, right. you know, kind of thing. Right. So, yeah. I love, I love that. that analogy. Yeah. I watch way too much HGTV, which is why my brain <laughs> went to that um, concept. But I love that you're saying this was my experience. And, you know, again, it's not that people had bad intentions. It's not that anyone was trying to be mean, but if you aren't at a, a level place for yourself, how on earth can someone start telling you what's better or what's for you and not for you because you're like wait I just wrote this down five minutes ago I don't even know yes exactly it's like this isn't even a thing yet I'm not in a position to respond to even what you're saying you know like it needs to incubate it needs to incubate which is why my program called the book incubator <laughs> um yeah. it's it needs to incubate before it's ready to be kind of poked and prodded and, and made better by other opinions. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, it, it helps, right? Especially anytime you're starting a business, why are you starting it? And you're like, Hey, this is a process for me, which means this is a process for so many other people. I'm the daughter of an English teacher. And so I ran towards math and numbers and anything that was not writing anything down because not that she was mm -hmm. really critiquing my stuff in fourth grade, but I was like, no, thanks. I'm not setting myself up for that and ran in the opposite direction, yeah. but also I'm naturally kind of a numbers logically oriented person. Mm -hmm. um, so no, I never took any creative writing classes, but I was a communication major and you take public speaking classes and you get your talks ripped apart. And we did have people who counted our ums and other filler words. And then you start overthinking. And of course, when you know someone's counting your filler words, all you do is start using yes. those filler words. So it makes complete right. sense what you're saying. And I'm sure, you know, everyone listening can find that example of the reason I ran away from one thing that actually was truly my purpose is because it was getting picked apart too early in the mm -hmm. game. So, you know, mm -hmm. it makes everything that you're saying, I'm like, yes, I wasn't writing anything down, but also yes, a hundred percent to what would scare us or hold us back from the things that are meant for us. Yeah. And that's such a good, 
I love that example. I mean, I don't love it, but I like it. Like of the ums, because if you're focusing, if you're like, oh, my ums are being counted, I'm just going to focus on not saying, um, can you like, I don't even have to hear someone to know the delivery is not going to be as good as if they're thinking about the content of their message and like genuinely trying to convey a message, right? Like the, like you can tell when someone's sort of reciting something or phoning it in, right? Like when they're, when they're, um, when they're speaking or when they're giving a speech and their head's not in it, they're just sort of delivering it. I feel like you can tell. Absolutely. Right. And you take the heart out of that message and then yeah. who's listening? Cause you're so focused on counting, right. reciting perfectly versus the topic of what's really yeah. at hand. Absolutely. All right. So let's dive into the Enneagram. So someone is yes. getting ready to write, whether it's their personal story or a fun, fictitious novel, how on earth do they get started? And then, you know, what advice or suggestions or rules or however you want to phrase it, can someone do once they know their Enneagram type to make sure that they actually write that book, start that book, finish that book, wherever they are in that process? Yes. Okay. So um, Kristen and I are both big Enneagram fans and I love the Enneagram because more than any personality test I've ever taken, I think it, it's been so helpful for me for understanding my motivation and the obstacles that get in my way. And like, it, it just, I've, as I read the description, you know, it's really easy to find. You just go to the Enneagram Institute online. There are a bunch of different kinds of tests you can take. Some are free, some are like $12. One's like $12, I think. Um, but if you figure out your type, just read the description on the Enneagram Institute and it should resonate. It should feel like, oh, this is, wow, I feel seen. Like some people, uh, a writing student of mine who also is an eight um, recently took it and she, I said, um, read this and see what you think. And she wrote back, I feel really uncomfortable and exposed. <laughs> yes, exposed, absolutely. <laughs> That's how I felt. Like exposed, too, right? but in a good way of like, okay, I'm not crazy for feeling the way that I've been my whole life. Yeah. Like you feel, yeah, you feel kind of seen and understood. So what I like to do in my program is we'll, we'll take that, we'll take an Enneagram type, whatever your type is. There are only nine types. Um, so of the nine types, uh, all of us are mainly one type. Like we may resonate with a few others, but we have kind of one main type and we'll use it to figure out like, what is, what is a good way of setting writing goals based on my type? You can also do this without the Enneagram. You can just kind of think about some different writing goals and, and ask yourself, which of these sounds best to me, which makes me excited and not want to shrivel up and die. <laughs> so when we talk about writing goals, um, you know, and a, a lot of people, right? Like I, I work with a number of people who are writing a book as a way to kind of establish a brand or promote their business. Like it's a very common kind of thing to go into if you're if you're an entrepreneur, but it's also... This doesn't have to be if you're writing a book. I mean, right? There's like writing is a part of so many, like so much of what we do when we're when we're entrepreneurs that I think that this kind of thing can be used whether you're writing, you know, email copy or a blog post or what, you know, it doesn't have to be a book. Okay. So what we'll typically do um in the book writing world though is is people will say, okay, I'm gonna write this many words per day. I'm gonna write a thousand words a day, I'm gonna write two thousand words a day. And that works for some people, but for others, it, it just sounds like, ugh, like it, it like fills you with a little bit of dread. Right. So, um, 
there are other types of goals that you can use. Like it doesn't have to be a word count. It can be um, what one type of goal that that I found a few Enneagram numbers really respond well to is deciding the scene you're going to write today. So if a story is built of scenes, um, you know, and, and scene doesn't have like an official definition here. It's really just like a moment of the story that takes place somewhere. So the scene at the mall when they go to the mall or the scene in the classroom when the teacher is teaching a lesson. It, this, this would be basically deciding, I'm going to write this scene today. And that could end up being 300 words. It could end up being 3,000 words. It could take me 10 minutes. It could take me three hours. But, but you're not thinking about those things. You're not quantifying it. You're just thinking, by the end of today, I'll be done with this particular scene. And the cool things, the people who this resonates with, I find, um, think it's really cool because you can, you can ultimately like plan out your entire book this way. Because if a book is, <laughs> excuse me, a book is basically a collection of like 30 to 60 scenes um, based on how long your scenes are. And if you just think of them like that, you can like, I sometimes picture them as lily pads and I'm just hopping from scene to scene to scene. So if I'm writing a scene a day, I just decide I'm gonna write them going to the gas station. I'm gonna write a conversation over dinner. You get 40, 50 of those and you have a book. So it, it, I feel like thinking about it that way sometimes makes it seem a lot more manageable than thinking I need to write 70,000 words or I need to write 300 pages. like that can't, some people are motivated by that. Oh, I love the idea of writing 300 pages. I'm going to write five pages a day. Great. But then other people like that, it, it sort of paralyzes them. Um, so the scenes, the scenes method is like another way to kind of get around that to sort of trick your brain into being excited about it and not, um, not finding it too daunting. Yeah, no, I love that. So as a speaker, you have to write your talk. Um, and even just the thought of like, I'm like, I could talk all day long. I have a podcast, I'm a trainer, like all these things. And then I was like, oh, I have to write down what I'm going to say. And they're like, of course, these people are professionals. And they have like you know, a million different things. And they're like, it's only 6,000 to 8,000 words. And I'm like, that's only a lot of effort. And again, I know <laughs> books are significantly longer than this half hour. No, but talk. that sounds so, anything in the but thousands was, sounds Yeah, so. I was like, yeah, I have to write that. And obviously, you know, your two and the are not a part of that word count. And I was like, I'm never going to do this. And I sat on that for almost a month and wrote a hundred words because it was yeah. daunting. And then it was like, right. well, what are the four stories you need or four talking points you need people to walk away with? And I was like, oh, this is this, this. And they're like, go write it down. And I was like, oh, and I came back in four weeks and had like 60, yeah. 70% of that talk ready to go. Maybe. So everything that you're saying makes complete sense. And again, whether it's a blog post, if it's even your Instagram caption, if you simplify it in a way that works for your brain, and most yeah. of us is not a number that's in the thousands, you're gonna be able to get through it so well. And I will actually say part of my talk is actually going through those old Instagram captions and podcast topics. And I was like, these are recurring themes. And I was like, oh, I can write that. It, but yeah, she said 8,000 words and I almost fell off my chair and thank God I was sitting in a chair when it's worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's a lot. Like it doesn't just sound like a lot. It is a lot. And I think the, 
kind of the bigger idea we're even getting at too is like not um not falling prey to this idea that there's only one way to write so like there's not just one way to have a writing goal and there's also not just one way to write like you were saying like what works with your personality and um there, there was one point when I was finding writing really daunting and it was right after I had a baby so I was like going on these long I would go on these long walks with him in the stroller and think about how intimidated I was to write and one day it just occurred to me like maybe I'll experiment with dictating into my phone and just see what happens in my notes app of my phone just like whatever the app was that came on my phone I didn't even get a special app or anything and I started doing it and I would like dictate on these long walks and I got home one day and like copied and pasted it all into a word document and it was like 10,000 words, <laughs> like just from, just from me talking. And someone else I work with, um, a writer in my program um, is a doctor and she had this, she had this vision of a novel she wanted to write, but like not a lot of time to work on it because she is a mom and she, you know, was a, was a doctor. So she was like very busy and she was working in a hospital and um, she ended up one day she emailed me and said, this is kind of weird, but I'm like, I've actually found what's working best for me is writing my novel in my notes app on my phone in between patients. Like I'm just, I just sit there and sort of, and she's like, is that okay? And, and I was like, yeah, if that's what's working, like lean into it. And she wrote her entire, she wrote a full novel on the notes app of her phone, just between patience. And I just, I love telling that story because I think it's such a good example of how there is not one, there, there's no one way to do this. Like you don't have to sit at your laptop. You don't have, you know, you don't have to, you don't even have to type. You can handwrite, you could dictate like what, you know, it may take some being creative about like what, what makes it easiest for you. And that's, that's an okay way to do it, whatever that is. Right. Absolutely. And it, it's finding what works for you, I think, you know, even with writing that talk, the thought of like, go sit at your laptop and start typing. I was like, I have nothing to say. My G, you yeah. can't shut me up. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> if you put that pressure on yourself, you suddenly will go blank. So for you in that stroller, for a doctor in between patients, you know, finding what works with the rest of your life. Um, as well. Like your goals don't go away because now you're a mom. Those dreams are still there. That passion is still there. The, the creativity is still there, but that means talking into your phone on a walk and not, also you're getting fresh air and exercise. So really it's a true yeah. win um, in comparison to saying, well, let me lock myself in this basement and hack away the laptop until two o'clock in the morning, which again, if that's what gets your goals done, do that too, but also finding what works and in the ebb and flows of the rest of your life too. Yes. I love that. Finding what works in the ebb and flows of the rest of your life and like letting it be easy, you know, like letting it or letting it be easier than you think it's going to be like, you don't have to, you don't have to do it the way that like Stephen King would do it or so, you know, you don't have to do it the way like an old white man would do it. <laughs> like yeah. had the responsibilities. <laughs> right. And I'm pretty sure all of my listeners were like, or most or at least under the age of 40 and probably not men. So you're at least checking yeah. out most of those boxes right. um, of, of do exactly what works, you know, for you. So thank you for sharing, you know, your own example, as well as, you know, your client's example. Cause I think those are 
two real ways for us to not give up on those dreams. And there's countless people that tell me, I want to be a speaker, go write your talk. I want to write a book. Cool. Go write something um, as well and make those dreams become a reality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to reiterate, like writing doesn't have to mean typing. Writing doesn't have to mean putting letters on a page. Writing can mean dictating. Just like reading can mean listening. Like I, I have a friend who's one of like, he's an incredible writer and um, he reads all of, he, he reads by uh, listening to audiobooks. So that's the only way that he, that he reads mm-hmm. and that's reading, you know, like however you're taking it and however you're putting it out is reading and writing. It counts. Yeah. I'm an only audiobooks person myself. So yeah, <laughs> completely right. agree. Um, yeah. And, and for me, it was like, oh, I'm not reading any books. It actually started when I was commuting, you know, to the office years ago. It's like, I clearly can't hold the book at the steering wheel, people. Um, and so making sure that it started with those audiobooks, And then now it's like, I can finally read 30 books a year. Yeah. Um, and it definitely won't happen physically holding one for sure. Right. Yeah, I think audiobooks have been incredible for people who like have busy lives <laughs> because you don't have to be sitting there like doing nothing else, right? You can right. be walking yeah. or commuting or driving. Yeah. Yeah. As long the only time I'm actually physically reading a book at this point is like a day at the beach. And obviously those mm-hmm. don't happen a ton. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, finding finding it in between for sure. All right. So back to the Enneagram. Is there like a suggestion you have for each Enneagram type. I will say most of my listeners have heard me kind of berate the Enneagram over time. And if not, they can go back and listen to other episodes. So most of them are relatively familiar, but is there something that you'd say for, you know, type ones, type twos, type threes of like, here's how you can accomplish your writing goals? Yeah, I'd be happy to go through that. Okay, so for a type one is gonna tend to be a little perfectionistic, kind of hard on themselves. Um, so for a type one, I think you could either lean in, you kind of could kind of, um, lean into that if you really want to get it done and give yourself a numerical goal, you know, like I, I am going to write 2000 words a day or 500 words a day. Um, because I think a type one will probably meet it. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, so, so it's interesting because I feel like there, there's like an answer that would be the most likely for you to get it done to kind of lean into your type. And then there's the answer that would play more against type to maybe make it more pleasant on yourself. <laughs> so there's a sort let's of- Let's do both, and I love that. Yeah. Let's do both. And there's a little bit of tension there, but like, you know, if, but for a type one, I would say if the kind of um, numerical goal is stressing you out and you are becoming perfect, perfectionistic about it, maybe try something like a scenes goal or just try to be more creative, make it looser, take numbers out of the equation and just, um, you know, I'm going to write this story down. I'm going to dictate this story into my phone. I'm just going to like remove the kind of hard concrete measures of success so that I don't get obsessed with them, you know? Um, And I think I would say, by the way, what I just said, I think applies to type one. It applies to maybe a type five, um, and maybe also a type, a type eight. Um, okay. And then for type two, so type twos are that type two is the helper. And so type twos tend to be pretty sacrificial and, and really living for others and doing things for others. So I think the key with a type two is to find a goal 
that isn't going to make you feel guilty for carving out time to work on this, right? So like not feel like, oh, I really should be spending time doing this for my kids or doing this for my partner or doing this for someone else at work or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and that I think tends to be a looser goal. So instead of being like, I'm going to write from 8, 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. every morning, like that can start to feel stressful, I think, for a type two, because when someone asks them to do something, they feel like they need to do it. And they're like, but I carved out this time and now I feel guilty taking it. So I think something like at some point today, I'm going to write 500 words or five pages, or at some point today, I'm going to write a scene. But that all may play out. I may write 10 minutes here and five minutes here and, and sort of like the doctor between patients type thing. Like I'm just gonna find these little pockets of time to get it done. I think for a type two, that can sometimes work best because they're not having to let anyone down. They can still keep all of their obligations. Yeah. Um, sorry, should I just keep going? Keep I'm going, absolutely, okay. keep going, I love okay, this. Okay, so for a type three, which is me, um, for a type three, I, here's the thing about a type three, type three is called the achiever. We tend to sort of set goals and, and meet them obsessively. <laughs> We're kind of workaholics. And so type three is similar to type one. And that I think if, if a type three says I'm going to write 500 words a day, they're probably going to write 500 words a day. So it's probably going to happen, but then how do we make it? So it's not, um, we're not just obsessed with the goal and like making ourselves miserable in order to reach it. And I think that scenes idea I was talking about a few minutes ago can be really helpful for that. So I, I love the scenes method because it relieves me of thinking, here's the exact word count I need to reach, or I need to write exactly one hour. I need to write exactly 10 pages. It's like, I'm just going to write this one little part of the story. And when I'm done, I'm done, you know, and I can relieve myself of thinking I need to do any more than that. I can move on and do something else, relax or whatever because it can be hard for type threes to relax. Yeah, especially if um, you, you finish the story and you're at 493 words, like do you start a second story or a second scene or exactly. is 493 complete? <laughs> so, right, awesome. like back when I used to do word count, I would not let myself stop. It'd be like, well, I need to add seven words. So I'd sit there and find seven words. <laughs> I, know it, I mean, it's silly, um, but that's the type. Okay, type fours um, is like the individualist it's sometimes called. So the type four... Um, in my experience, type fours, my writers who I work with, um, tend to be the most hard on themselves in terms of not ever thinking what they're doing is good enough. Like I, they, they, they tend to think like, oh, this isn't going to be good enough. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not good enough to keep going. So for a type four, I would say whichever goal type you choose, don't go back and read what you've written. <laughs> Just keep going forward because that's a really easy trap to fall into is going back and, and rereading what you've written. Of course, you're going to do that at some point, but like finish first, whatever it is your draft, whether it's a speech or a blog post or a book, like finish the draft. And I really do mean like finish the whole draft of the book if you're writing a book before you go back and read, because I think it's really easy for type fours to become obsessed with um, not thinking what they've done is good enough. And then they get in their heads and they just want to stop and start over. Type fives, um, type fives is like, I think called the professor or the scholar a lot of times. So these type fives are often really into research. So research is so fun and such an important part of communicating, right? We have to figure out like what we're going to say and contextualize it in the world and do background research a lot of times, but type fives can sometimes go down a research rabbit hole and like become 
a little bit, um, you know, it's like, it can become a procrastination tool to be like, I need to get everything, learn everything about everything before I, right. So I think for a type five, I would say just like, be aware of that. And, um, you know, you only, I, so in my program, sometimes I'll call it minimum viable research, like just do the minimum amount of research that you need to get the first version of the story down on paper. And you can fill in all the other details later because you just want to keep going for now. Type six, um, type six is the loyalist and they are, um, type sixes tend to be plant, like they're the people who have like an escape ladder, <laughs> an escape ladder for if the building catches on fire and they're going to run, they're going to throw it out the window and like climb down. Like they have plans for every scenario. They have like snacks for the road trip. They, they have every, they're looking ahead and thinking, what is the bad thing that could happen? I'm going to prepare myself for it. So I think for a type six, um, a good goal, good, good kind of milestone daily goals would be anything that, um, uh, reminds you like, it's going to be okay. Like I, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to reach this. I'm not, disaster is not going to happen. Um, kind of like al almost like what I was saying earlier about, you can think of a book as just a collection of 30, 30 to 60 scenes for a type six, that could be really reassuring. Cause I think I am going to get to the end of it. Like I am going to get to the end of it. All I have to do is like kind of um, keep it simple and just move from scene to scene, lily pad to lily pad. For a type seven, okay, type seven is the enthusiast and type sevens love to, um, they hate to be bored. They hate to feel trapped. They like, this is often like the friend who's the life of the party. And they um, often like to maybe start new things, but not stick with it when it gets boring <laughs> or when it gets hard. So I think for a type seven, the key is going to be flexibility with your goal. So a type seven would not do well with like a, I'm going to write from eight to 9am every single morning. Cause like, I feel like it's three, three days. They're going to feel confined by that. Like, but I want, they're going to have FOMO, but I want to be doing something else right now. Why am I writing? From? So I think flexibility is key. Once again, that kind of idea of like, I'm going to get this thing done, whatever it is, whether it's five pages or 500 words or one scene, I'm going to get it done at some point today, but I'll do it when it fits best in my schedule. So I don't have to sacrifice, you know, anything necessarily. Okay. Um, type eight. I mean, what sounds like the best goal, like for you, what resonates? Yeah. So I just like breaking rules and I think not having them <laughs> is what would help me to kind of get that done what really resonated in kind of the examples you've given is that like dictating in your phone and so it's like I'm going to do it my way how I feel like it all about me because I'm in control yeah <laughs> um, but not having a word count and not having you know even if I do carve out an hour it's going to be like if I'm done at 45 minutes then I've done it 45 minutes but I think you know, very similar to those sevens having that flexibility. And I do have a very strong seven wing, um, finding that flexibility of what's going to be, you know, for me and by me versus someone else telling me how it's going to be. Nice. Okay. Love it. And then for type nine, our last type, type nines are tricky. Um, cause I, type nine is the peacemaker and they love harmony and, and love, you know, these tend to be like mediators and therapists and making things smooth for people. Um, sometimes not all the time but sometimes a type nine can have a hard time act 
acting. Like they kind of make me to kick in the butt to actually like get going. Cause they, they're kind of like, no, I'm, I'm not quite ready. I'm not quite ready. Um, so I think for a type nine, um, I think I, I would, I might want to start with a concrete goal, like the word count goal, because that that's a very measurable metric of success, right? So it's like, I'm like really going to try to get to this today, get to 300 words a day. And I, I would make it, I would make it um, for a type nine. I think I would make it very achievable. Don't set like a crate. Don't, don't be like, I'm going to write 2000 words a day. 3000 words a day is a very high word count for anyone to write ever. So um, I think something like that would, it would be easy for a nine to fall short. And then you get into that, you can get into that spiral of like, well, I've already failed. I might as well stop, you know, instead of getting back on. So I think I would set like really measurable kind of concrete achievable goals for, for each day. And then if that's working well, you could add onto it from there. Yeah. I like that. And I think, you know, the important thing is to kind of recognize what works for you. As you mentioned, we all have our core Enneagram um, type, but like we do have our wings. Are you in a very stressful season? Are you kind of at your best and, you know, what else is happening in your life? And so for people to kind of recognize those are nine suggestions and you can take the one that works best for you today yeah. um, and be flexible in the moment. But I think everything that you're saying, you know, absolutely, most likely I should say, I won't say absolutely because there's always that one person, but most likely it's resonating of like, you know what, that is who I am. And that's where I usually get hung up in the process of like, I'm so stressed about the word count that I do start wanting to like quit or give up or I need to find an alternative method because what I was told by whoever, what I Googled and found out um, is now putting a pressure on me that's making me feel like it's not enough or not good enough. Um, what you said about the fours, I think that's all of us, right? Of, yeah, I didn't like chapter one, so now I have to write a whole new book and I have to do research on a whole new topic. And it's like, well, just keep writing. And then maybe you do have to rewrite chapter one, but let's at least have two through 10 on paper before we kind of see where we need to tweak it versus beating ourselves up over and over and not actually getting any closer to the finish line. So these are all yeah. great suggestions. Thank you so much for that. Sure. Awesome. So you have done, I mean, we have so many ideas and so many ways to kind of tweak and make sure that we're able to keep moving forward on our goals, but you as Mary, what, and you've kind of mentioned some of your mission and vision, obviously that's why you started the book incubator itself, but what is that one thing that you want anyone who kind of comes across your work or hears you through this podcast to really remember you by? What's that message and that legacy you're trying to create? Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, two things. So one, you are the only one who has your vision. And I, I love thinking about it that way because it's just such a good, if, if I keep going back to that, I am the only one who has my vision. You are the only one who has your vision. It really frames the importance of not opening yourself up to feedback too early and not also thinking there's something you're supposed to write that it's out there that you don't like, that you need someone else to tell you or teach you how to do or no, like it's in you and you're the only one who has it. So like you have to 
you have to honor that first and foremost above anything anyone tells you um, about how you should be doing what you're doing. And the other thing is that you don't have to overhaul your life to write a book. Like if, if you have a book in you, and I find a lot of times when people have a book in them, they know, they know it. Like they're like, yeah, I've had, the, I've had it. It's been in me. It's like almost like a creature. Like it's been in me for years and I know it. And if you know you have a book in you, you don't have to wait until, you know, whatever your kid leaves for college or you quit your job. You don't have to wait until then to write your book. You, you can write it and carve out time in your life even while having a job and a family. I've, uh, my second book I wrote with a newborn at home as like the sole breadwinner of my family with a full-time job. And I just did it. I did it for anywhere from, from 30 minutes to an hour and a half, five days a week. It's time. Don't get me wrong. It's time. It's almost like, you know, people who commit to a really serious workout schedule or something like, like you, you have to carve out time for it, but you don't have to like, quit your job <laughs> or neglect your children. You know, it just, you, you sometimes just have to, you have to be a little creative about it, um, but you can get it done. And, and you don't have to do that. When I say it was 30 minutes to an hour and a half a day, that wasn't for a year. It was for like three months. Like it's, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like a, a lifelong commitment either. You know, it's, it's like a season. Think of it as like something you kind of prioritize and carve out time for in a season, but you also get to keep your other obligations. You just have to figure out how to do it and be a little creative. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I always say I love about the Enneagram is it's not about putting you in a box, right? The Enneagram gives you language that helps you feel seen and understood and honestly validated for who you already are. And then now you get to make a choice as an author, as a speaker, as a coach, or whatever it is that you're doing in your life and in your business, you're like, I get to make the choice to say, I'm committed to this thing and I'm going to make it happen. Um, and so thank you so much for everything that you've shared. Like, yes, it's a time commitment, but if that's a goal and a dream and a desire that you have, then like, go make it happen. And don't wait for your kids to go off to college because yeah. all the millennials came back home Too people. Long. So who knows what's going to happen with the next group. Um, but, you know, finding out what works for you and living out your passion, trusting your vision, and then working to make it a reality is everything that I'm about and what the Amplify, Amplify Ambition podcast stands for. So I appreciate you helping all of those with their writer's goals to make that a reality and to go live it out. So thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. This was super fun. Thank you for having me. Are you searching for a simple way to run your business sustainably as you create your best life? Sign up to receive emails over three days as you develop your action plan that makes dreams a reality. I break down my leadership methodology so you can avoid burnout and confidently own your power, maximize your impact, and profit with a plan. Click the link in show notes to join the Profitable Purpose Challenge. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to share it on your favorite social media platform and tag me at Kristen Edwards underscore. Then leave a rating or review to help other ambitious women tune in. Thanks for listening to Amplify Ambition. Until next time, dream loudly.